What is up, BA family, and welcome to another episode of the Breathe and Air podcast, where everyday action meets extraordinary mindset. I'm your host, Mason Bendigo, and thank you all so much for checking us out. Everything is constantly changing and constantly evolving, and our movement is no different. Coach Bam comes on today to discuss how movement is a staple to everything else in our life, how we move forward past difficult times, past failures, but also how we move physically, how our bodies are meant to move versus how we move today, right? Things that we used to do in the past that now we're shielded from, and if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So today, Coach Bam goes into the details of what's called GOTA, a way of movement, what it is, what it isn't, and how it helps provide longevity in our bodies. For someone personally that's had two ACLs, you know, some shoulder in- injuries, has gotten banged up quite a bit, this is something that you know, really resonates with me and something that's important. I think everybody wants to have longevity in their bodies, right? They want to be able to pick up their grandkids one day. So this is important stuff, but there is something more. There's another piece to what Coach Bam describes He has a longing to help people and has found this through Goda and through teaching Goda and being a coach. I'm not going to ruin the show for you. You're going to have to hear how he started out, the path that he's had so far, and the incredible work that he's doing that's changing people's lives for the better, that's increasing their longevity physically, and also their quality of life while they're here, which is something that we all want, right? So if you want to hear more from Coach Bam, you can find him on Instagram at Gota Bam. That's G O A T A B A M on Instagram. He also has some great content up on YouTube that really breaks down a lot of what he's saying in today's episode. So you can go check it out there or check out the visual of this episode on YouTube. You can also find our show over on Instagram where we're building and cultivating an incredible community that we like to call the BA family. So let me know what you thought of the episode. Let Bam know what you thought of the episode today. And yeah, we love to hear from you. Always want your feedback. This is how we do what we do. So thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode. And without further ado, welcome my friend, Coach Bam. Mason, dude, I appreciate you having me. I'm stoked to be here. So I want to start at the beginning. What is Goda? Goda is it's like a it's brand new. It's a shiny brand new toy for the world. It's a fantastic message. It's a beautiful system that is speaking to and addressing human movement. It's very similar to the first time that somebody thought of the word diet. They were like, whoa, 
Did you know that what you eat has ramifications or consequences to your body, positive ramifications or negative ones? So once we, wow, there's an understanding of that. I can't eat Captain Crunch and Pop-Tarts every day. (laughs) Something is going to happen. Now I have to look at the entire spectrum of food and what it does to my body. I got to break down different food and different pieces. I got to look, examine my life, examine food, examine where I'm getting this food and determine what is good or what is not good for me. So diet was as something that is new for the human race. Um, movement and um, looking at the quality of our movement is also something that's very new. And so Gota is, to my knowledge, the first ever movement system that has assessed and looked at global movement patterns of the human species and said, this is the optimal way for the human body to move through time and space. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible to think about this because we move every day, right? Not just physically, but you've mentioned this mentally, you know, spiritually, the way that we move through life, the actions that we have, and it's not a linear thing. And when you think about it that way, it's like, well, this makes sense. Why is everything else fluid and and flows a certain way, but our movement, some of the way that we've been training or, you know, training for aesthetic or some of the ways that we've been taught may not be right. So there's this questioning, right? And it's, I think it's really interesting, this questioning of the traditional system that we've seen for years now within training movements. Yeah. It's very natural. It's a supernatural process. Um, Even with our food, like we just thought, man, it would be great if I could package up a a dinner and I could put it in a little box and people could just put it in their freezer. And then whenever they wanted to have a dinner, they could just put it in this little box that would heat it up. And then boom, there was steak, mashed potatoes and corn. You know, it was just a, it was just an idea. Somebody's invention, just like the barbell, just like almost everything. And then we put it out into the world. Sometimes it catches fire. And then until many people try this, whatever it is, then we get a lot of feedback and we say, this is something that was positive or negative for us. And it's just information. That's all it is. And it's extremely important for humans to continue to question Mm. what it is that they're doing, what it is that they're eating, how it is that they're training. Um, It's very important for us to question everything in our lives. Um, and it's really common for us to see other people doing something or for us to get into our own patterns, patterns of training, patterns of eating. And then when someone comes to us with, Hey, did you think about X, Y, and Z? Did you think about when you put a TV dinner in a microwave that that plastic is going to get in your food? And then mm. there's preservatives in that food. Did you even think about that before you, you, you saw all the great benefits from it? And sometimes that's triggering for people. Um, But I really encourage people to question everything. And Gota is really questioning the current state of training and the current state of how the entire world looks at um, movement in the human body right now. Yep. There's a lot of athletes that listen to this show. And there's also a lot of people who are retired from sports or just wanting to learn more and grow within their realm. So how does GOTA affect athletes and how can it uh, positively affect athletes and how can it positively Mm -hmm. affect, 
you know, the normal Joe just for movements and getting around and longevity. Yeah. Um, it's important before we go forward in this conversation for me to make a very important distinction. Uh, and it's kind of hard to wrap your brain around. So I'm going to try and do my best. But yeah. Goda is a movement system, meaning it's similar to um, like paleo. Paleo is like an eating system with guidelines. Like you should do this. You shouldn't do this. You should kind of start story from this. And a person might decide to take paleo guidelines and systems thinking into their life and apply it to their food. And there's going to be some changes from that. For the most part, it's going to be really positive. A lot of it's going to be really positive. Um, so Goda is a neutral movement system, meaning that it says, hey, this is just the way that it goes. Like when you look at a car, you say, this is how a car operates. That's it. So it's it's the Goda movement system is both a system of analyzing and looking at movement in the best case scenario for the human. And it's also the, um, the leaders of Goda trying to come up with the best way to train this. And that is a very difficult task to do that these guys down in New Orleans are, are taking up and they're trying their absolute very best to get people into this movement pattern that is safe, that is durable, that is efficient, that has been with the human race since we were born. Um, so there's those two things. There's the training of Goda, and then there's the actual understanding of just the blanket human movement system. Like there's a way that we understand how the body operates digestively, cardiovascularly. Like we don't have any questions about that. We shouldn't have any questions about movement as well. But the current state of things is that physical therapists, chiros, strength conditioning people, and everyone in their mom has a different opinion on how the human body should function, what it should look like, posture, movement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Goda to me personally is the most complete and truth uh, truth-based system that I've ever seen because it is rooted mm. in uh, slow motion video. And it's also now, okay, from the slow motion video movement system, now we're going to try and train this. Now we're going to try to create movements that replicate this and, and introduce it into a human body, especially a human body that hasn't been moving like this for a while to try and get them to move in this way. And that is a process. Mm. So the probably, you know, and to sum up, Goda is a process, a process of returning back to the natural state of movement that you, that me, that every single human introduced to themselves from the get-go, because there was no one that helped us out of the womb to stand on our own two feet. Like we had to do that ourselves. We had to build up the muscles. We had to build up the neurological connections. We had to understand our environment, understand how to pressurize, how to decompress, how to relax, how to tension our body in different ways until we can move somewhat fluidly through our environment. Some of us did a better job than others, and some of us um, really struggled in that regard because of our environments or our growing up. So when we, do you want me to continue to put this into your question now? Yeah. That was a good disclaimer. <laughs> okay. Um, and further disclaimer, I'm a ultimately a fan of Goda. I'm a practicing uh, Goda practitioner. I'm practicing Goda. I'm a, a Goda coach and I'm a Goda fan. I'm a fan of the system. I practice it every day and I coach it um, as my job, my vocation, my profession. Um, so anything that I say about, you know, Goda isn't, 
isn't uh, isn't truth, but it's my personal opinion yeah. on the matter, which is a very special matter to me. So for an athlete, what does GOTA mean to an athlete? When I talk to an athlete and we talk about GOTA, um, the biggest thing that I want for them, because I come from, like, let's say the martial arts world, MMA and jujitsu, and this is really what pulled me into this. In MMA and jujitsu, even wrestling, any kind of combat sport, seeing somebody over the age of 50 who is healthy, thriving, and not in pain is kind of rare. Sad. It's super sad. And in my personal opinion, a 50 year old male should be at the height of his athletic, you know, like personal thing. Like he's at that point when he's got that old man strength where his connective tissue is just strong as hell. He doesn't need to have all these big muscles. So he moves really efficiently. His mind and his body, he knows who he is. So he's just dialed in. Um, and you that. see that in, in like some hunter gatherer culture is that the 50 year old ish male leading the hunt, you know, at yeah. the top of the pack. Cause he knows all the things he knows how to track just like some high level martial artists in their fours and fifties, they got the technique crisp and clean. So when I talk to an athlete about Gota, the ultimate thing is let's keep you in the game. Like you talked about Mason before this, you've got two ACL surgeries, like shoulder dislocation, like staying in the game should be the number one priority. Staying healthy should be the number one priority. Um, that is ultimately the goal of GOTA is pain-free uh, movement, durable movement, movement that isn't going to compress and break your body down, but is going to stay with you for an entire lifetime. Um, unfortunately, right now, people are really concerned with strength, with power, with speed, with other things. And my the best way that I can describe this is if you have a car and the wheels are not on right, if the alignment isn't right if the frame is bent you don't say okay the frame is bent the wheels are kind of like one wheel is like turning left one wheel is kind of straight um should we fix that or should we put this big ass engine in there let's like put the <laughs> engine in there like let's make it go faster like as soon as you put it, that car on the track maybe it'll go for a couple turns and go fast as hell yeah but then there's that one turn when all of that power meets those little dings and that lack of alignment and then boom shit hits a fan big you know some some catastrophic injury happens it takes you off the field that can really change people's lives especially if they are like dedicated to their sport if they're dedicated to their practice now they're on the bench talk about a mental and spiritual like you know turn for mm -hmm. people so when i'm talking to athletes i really try and get you know based with them on their human experience of what it means to engage in this physical practice whatever it is like you are engaging this physical practice for a reason, whether it's football, whether it's martial arts, whether it's yoga or just running a, like a three miles every day um, after work, something like that. It's like this is important to you for a specific reason. And I want to try my best with you to keep this in your life and to keep it positive, keep it good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give you a heads up in looks like seven minutes. Zoom is being crazy. So I'm going to have to resend a link but we'll keep going until then. Got it. So I'm interested in how you got to this place, right? Because you're helping so many people move. There's this new modality and way to move uh, that's helping people with longevity. It's helping athletes, you know, 
stay healthy longer, be more explosive, et cetera. So how did you get to this place where you were like, I want to be a coach. I want to help people with this movement piece. If you would have asked me 10 years ago that I was like a movement coach, <laughs> like that was, that's what I was doing for my job. I'd be like, you're out of your mind. Like, no <laughs> way. Even though, um, I was a movement nerd without knowing about it. When I got introduced into martial arts, martial arts is a movement practice, a movement training. You train to move. There's a specific goal at the thing, but um, I was not really an athlete growing up. I was pretty reverse mover, pretty front chain dominant, was struggled, struggled running, struggled playing football um, on the teams that I did. But when I found martial arts, and martial arts has a very good way of training the mind-body connection when I realized that training was the golden ticket and the training movement was like even more the golden ticket because movement is ever pervasive throughout my life in my breath, in my sleeping, walking around my house, like it's everywhere. So if my movement is everywhere, I can train anything. Yeah. So if I have a training mindset, I'm, I'm never not training. Like I'm training all the time, as long as I have the right mindset. Um, but I, I wanted to help people. After high school, I knew I wasn't going to go to the college route because I wasn't going to allow myself to get into debt. I saw my two older brothers go that route, and they were pretty clear on me what would happen um, if I chose to like go to a nice university or go do that. That I was like, no way. Nobody owns me. I'm going to do my own thing. Um, I had a cool, very cool opportunity when I was 18 to donate my bone marrow to a gentleman who has stage three um, leukemia. And in, at this time in my life where I was out of high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do except for fighting a cage. And I had this random opportunity. I got a phone call saying, hey, do you want to donate your bone, your bone marrow to somebody who's dying? Fuck yeah, I got no, nothing else going on in my <laughs> life. Let's do it. Um, and after that experience, I felt so whole in myself. I had a purpose. I had mission. I had a reason to exist. I had a reason to wake up. Um, I had a reason to be happy that I had this, that I wasn't on my deathbed. And I was like, why would I spend my life doing anything else than trying to um, save lives, <laughs> save lives. And uh, that brought me into uh, signing up for getting my EMT license. And I became uh, an emergency medical technician a month after I turned 21. So while my friends were doing the high school, having that experience, I was like dealing with blood, guts, gore, sick people, and really diving deep into the underbellies of society and life and what was really going on behind the curtains. And uh, what I saw was that there's a lot of people that were messed up. Your journey so far in how you got into wanting to help people and it's, it's pretty crazy, but what made you almost transform from, you know, you're, you're doing the EMT side of things. You're seeing a lot of struggle, a lot of things that a lot of people at that age probably aren't used to seeing. So how did that change, you know, your mindset or the way that you looked at suffering and what was going on in the world at that time? Well, you, you became, I became very close friends with suffering. Mm. with with death with um pain even at the same time that i was doing ambulance work uh i was 
you know, pursuing a career in martial arts, MMA, cage fighting on the weekends, going to downtown LA, doing Muay Thai fights. Like when I look back at it, I was like, damn, I was doing 24 hour shifts, like running around uh, LA County doing God knows what. And then on my days off, I was like getting punched in the face. <laughs> it was like a really low key life, you know? Yeah. Um, but it worked. It was a good, it was a good mix at the time because it did really get me close to understanding like what is suffering? Like what is um, not having things go like, well, best example that I have that like makes me so happy because it, it, seeing suffering, seeing death is part of life and necessary. And the actual EMS world and the way that it's operated right now, even the medical world, it's like, like, let's just like, Oh, accident, clean that up real quick. You didn't see anything. Like the only thing you get to see is what uh, the news or the newspaper releases, you know, and what they describe it as. You don't actually get to feel it and to touch it with your, your own hands and see with your own eyes. So I know that it's a gift. I recognize that it's a gift. But for instance, I was, we worked 24-hour shifts. I had a call. Uh, it was like three at night. So they wake you up like, like things go off and you like jump out of your bed. You're like, like what's going on? The most jarring experience ever. Um, but a dude was found dead on the side of the street. And we roll up to him. And I'd been, you know, in the world for a while. So I was pretty relaxed to it too relaxed maybe um he had been shot in the head and then thrown out of a, thrown out of the car wow and i was still in this post wake up like i also had just gone to bed like at two so i'd only been to bed from like 2 a.m to 3 a.m so it's like in an hour delirium and then i was like looking at this dead body kind of like staring at it like what's going on and uh the fire and police were like hey we don't need you guys like the guy's clearly dead you guys are good to go back to the station but i was like curious and i found myself in this delirium state like poking his head and then like poking the bullet hole like wound and like like feeling my finger like enter this random stranger's head and being like wow like this what happened to this guy you know and i'm like all right okay gotta go bed so went back home ended that shift um and then was hanging out with my girlfriend at the time like maybe a few hours later and the first thing that she started talking about was um, some arguments that she was getting in with her mother. And it was just like this, like, dun, 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 like, like trivial human experiences that we get caught up in our head, in our heart. There's nothing wrong with her. She was just caught up in life at that right. time. And I had to stop her and say, hey, hey like, I, I know there's something going on with you and your mom, but where I'm at right now. I just had this experience three hours ago and I am so stoked that I'm not dead on the side of the street with a bullet hole in my head and that I have 24 hours before my next shift to do whatever I want. And I can't really hear this right now. If you want to have a great time with me and go do some cool stuff, like we can go do that, but I can't register. I literally cannot register. I can't see and understand what you're saying right now. Um, wow. It was a little bit brash of me at the time. But I was also just like, I don't do, I'm not dead. I'm just pumped to be alive, like super pumped mm. to be alive. So I saw suffering um, and it made me want to live my fullest life, give my fullest love, give my fullest joy. But then it also made me question, like, where does this come from? You know, getting shot in the head and throwing outside of the car, that's kind of like a one-off. 
but maybe 80% of the people that I came in contact with were suffering from some chronic illness Mm. or chronic disease, chronic injury of their physical body that was for the most part, really taking their life for a wrong turn. And these chronic diseases and these chronic illnesses, uh, I knew and I recognized that number one, if it's a chronic illness and a chronic disease, like any emergency service that I could provide to that person was not going to make this problem go away. Right. It was going to have to be a deep paradigm shift for this person's life, this person's behavior, this person's actions, um, in order for them to start to like turn towards a healthy corner to where they could be a normal functioning human. Um, so I recognized at the time, because I was so into my physical practice of training martial arts and weightlifting CrossFit at the time that, um, I saw that I was like, man, I wish I came in contact with these people 10 years before. Maybe then I could have said a few things or shown them a different way to where 10 years down the road, they weren't calling an ambulance for a diabetic emergency for chronic Mm. illness that can be completely avoided from the human body. Yeah. Wow. That's profound. And that's, it makes me think about our society today and how comfortable life is, you know, compared to our ancestors or compared to, you know, different parts of the world and our relationship with being uncomfortable, you know, failing, um, a lot of that's been buffered by society. And that's such a huge catalyst for success and for pushing your mind and your body and pushing your boundaries, you know, widening the scope of the way that you look at life. So it's almost up to us in a lot of instances too to make sure that we're putting ourselves in uncomfortable positions in today's day and age. You know, we're not as much scared of getting eaten by a tiger or, you know, you know, it is a one-off situation. Of course, there's violence and, and whatnot, but for the most part, society has shifted towards a more comfortable lifestyle. So it's it's interesting that there's misconceptions and movement, but there's also misconceptions, I think, in the way that society has um, changed over the years and what is actually good for us and what isn't good for us. Yeah. So when it comes to movement, what is a misconception that you have seen when it comes to training that you're now trying to fix in some of your clients or people that you're helping? I'd like to actually take this a different, yeah. uh, it's a good, it's that question, but I, I, I just feel right now called to you, you set a paradigm or like an understanding that I think it's like people say all the time, like life is so comfortable. Life is so comfortable. Like we make it so easy. It's so comfortable. And I think right now you and I have an opportunity to kind of shift that perspective in a way that is more honest and true to what's happening right now. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, more than ever right now to live a life in the modern world, you have to be so mentally strong and so spiritually strong as well. If I was born back in the day, I was in nature, like with like a group of 20 to 50 people. Those are the only people that I knew we had a, we had a a series of our life, like the cycles of life were consistent. 
and I could, yes, there was things that were physically challenging to me, but mentally I knew what was life was spiritually. I didn't really have to think about these things too much because it was right at my fingertips, the interaction of food, the interaction of the people that were in my life. Yes. One of the reasons why is because we think that we want comfort. We know that in the acute setting, sitting on the couch, watching TV, with a bowl of ice cream is like satiating for our mind and our spirit. Um, it's just doing that every single day for a long time eventually breaks us down. So in this acute setting, we're trying to constantly quell and like calm down our mind and our spirit inside through our physical bodies, through food, through a nice relaxing massage or sitting down and watching TV. We're always trying to like take our, use our bodies to satiate the stress of living in a modern world that's absolutely chaotic. I just got off my motorcycle flying 70 miles an hour down the freeway. It's a spaceship, you know, <laughs> blasting heavy metal music in my ears. If you take an indigenous person and put them in that experience, 10 out of 10 times, they're going to have an anxious breakdown, like an, an anxiety attack. They're going to be like, you know, losing it, losing it. So the fact that we are not having anxiety attacks um, and that we're not really succumb to depression and that there are people like you and I who can bolster this through whatever kind of means necessary is a really important thing. Um, taking it back to your point though, that same mindset of, oh, I just want to come home and just get on the couch and just wind out for the day and being like, no, 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 no. Hold on. I'm actually going to go do something that's going to feel a little bit difficult right now. It's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable because I don't necessarily want to put this energy out there or do that. Maybe go on a run or go do a workout or go do some breath work on the beach. But afterwards, I know that I'm going to start to feel good after I'm going to feel a little bit good. So it's like this weird mindset shift. So it's like a little bit of discomfort for the physical, but the mental and spiritual and whole entire body benefits are like way more on the other side. Whereas, you know, sitting on the couch, hanging out, going to the bar, drinking some beer with your homies, like the next day you're going to feel a certain way. Um, so does that make sense that there's like, there's a bigger picture for us because shit's crazy right now, dude. It's hard, yeah. you know, having a job, pursuing your passion, looking, it's tough. It's tough right now. Yeah. It reminds me of something that I saw Andrew Huberman tweet about the other day. I love him for all the neuroscience pieces that he puts together because it brings a world of, you know, meditation and, and these things that maybe were looked at as like, for lack of a better word, like woo woo, and then brings this solidification that this stuff works. Right. And what he was talking about with our brains was dopamine and the release of dopamine in comparison to, you know, when we drink or, you know, when we have sex or when we do these things that, you know, watch Netflix, eat a bowl of ice cream on the food or on the couch, right. Versus the dopamine that's released whenever we do something that's hard, do something that's uncomfortable and then get a result that's positive from it. That feeling that our brain registers the neurochemistry, the shit that's actually happening in our brain, that is a way more heightened sense of accomplishment, the feel good chemical than any of those instant gratification things that we could, 
we could get. Right. So it's almost like, do we think short term or long term? Like this yeah, hard yeah. thing now is going to make me feel so much better <laughs> down the road. And that's science. So you can't argue it. Right. <laughs> Suck it. <It's> science. <laughs> yeah. it's science. Go take a cold shower. It's science. <laughs> yeah. It's science, bro. <laughs> It's actually but it's fun. great because, um, you know, this is a conversation that still is going to it's going to take a little bit for the world to to come around to and for scientists to come around to. But the practice of movement, the training of movement for our physical body is one of those ways like it's actually grueling. It takes so much focus. It takes so much awareness. It's like a 24 seven thing to do what we call, which is recode your body and your movement because your movement patterns are subconscious, mm -hmm. like super, super subconscious and trying to change those things takes so much awareness, so much focus and so much energy on the other side of that. It took me like maybe like a year, year plus just to get on my front chain, front chain, meaning my hips are just thrusted forward constantly yeah. like to where like, I'm like, oh, wow, I feel my ass. I feel my hamstrings. I feel my back connected and strong 70% of the day. It took me like a year and a half to do that from, you know, sitting in a chair, uh, basically full time for most of my childhood because of school and whatever. When you start getting your body to be feeling the way that it should and moving the way that it should, it brings so much peace and relaxation into the whole entire system to where then your awareness can kind of come from your body and come out to the world. That's going to be a really hard concept for some people to grasp onto or for, to like kind of understand. But let's say you're having a conversation with somebody and then like a look like your shoulder starts hurting. You're still engaging in the conversation. You're still talking to them, but then subconsciously you start like rubbing your shoulder and like doing one of these things. <laughs> what that means is that a piece of your awareness and a piece of your attention went and directed itself to the tension that you're feeling inside of your body. Just mm. tension. It's simply just tension. It's achiness. It's maybe a little bit of burning. It's maybe a little throbbing. Why is it there? What is going on? You're holding your shoulder in a weird way. Maybe you're driving for a long time in a front chain dumped position. But it's a 100% it's a fact that tension gets the attention. If my mm. stomach aches, I have to, I'm paying attention to that. I can't just decide not to pay attention to that. It's going to be really difficult for me to do that. So in this process of recoding our movement and getting our body to move in the way that it's designed, tension falls from the body, like, like um, an onion that has layers. It's just like, oh, there's another layer of tension. There's another layer of tension. There's another layer of tension. There's another layer of tension to where you are become this fluid, strong, malleable person that doesn't need to focus on like, oh, my knee is hurting. Oh, my back is hurting. And like, just grinding through that your entire life but you actually have a body a house a home that is peaceful that is enjoying the experience of moving through your life to where you can your eyes can go up more and you can look in the world and go out wow yeah absolutely i think a big part of that at least for me was that mind body connection, like you're speaking of, like you can feel stress physically, right? Everyone knows like that feeling when you feel stressed out, you're all tense, like your heart rate may be elevated, like these types of things. And to go a step further with that, 
think about like if you've ever had a big speech or a moment where you're about to go out on the field or you know you're about to do something that you may feel a little uncomfortable with what happens right you start sweating you know your heart rate elevates you know you may start shaking a little bit like that feeling is manifesting itself physically so for us to not think and we're not even doing it we're just thinking about it yeah. which is the crazy part like I'm getting nervous thought, just thinking about it right now dude. yeah our thoughts literally like made us feel that type of way so it's really interesting when you look at it that way and the connection is undeniable when you start, like you said, peeling back the layers. One of the layers that in terms of GOTA that I'm seeing, and this is coming from a guy, like you said, who's had two ACLs, has flat feet, is inside ankle bone high, right? And when I started looking at your stuff and started practicing it these last couple of weeks before our talk, I'm like, nice. man, this is something that's kind of hard for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know training and and thinking of myself as a relatively athletic person it's like you have to be intentional like you said in retraining the way that we move so explain uh inside ankle bone high what that means and kind of how that correlates to the system yeah uh so you have your foot and i'm just gonna put my foot on the table right here so yeah. everybody can, can see it um your foot can be collapsed so if your foot collapses like this, mm -hmm. this inside ankle bone becomes lower than the outside one. If I go inside ankle bone high, I create like a nice arch. It pulls this foot up and then you get the nice foot shape arch comes online. If I do nothing, boom, inside ankle bone low. So people are walking around their life like this. Yep. <laughs> we're saying that's not a good, that, <laughs> Hey, that's going to hurt you. That's all. That's all we're saying. Um, it's, um, inside ankle bone high, and that's just the, the term that was created to describe that. Um, because when you look at movement and you look at bones, you look at bones um, as like a visual indicator of what's happening with muscles, with tissue, with fascia, with everything. Um, so it's really important uh, to see bony landmarks, to see muscle, to see connective tissue, but really the bones are going to tell you a lot of what's going on uh, around it, moving around your bones. And inside ankle bone high is something that we would naturally have as humans if we spent a lot of our early childhood development years on the ground, crawling, resting on the ground. It's the natural safe position. It's the position that our feet developed in, in the womb in this inside ankle bone high fetal position, the tucked foot position. We didn't develop in the womb like, like that. <laughs> Spreading. We were, yeah, we were tucked nice and neat. And so, uh, but right now, if you're born in a normal modern house, like right now, like you've, you've got wooden floors, like you're trying to get off that wooden floor as quickly as possible because it doesn't feel good. So we don't have soft surfaces, hard packed muds and different places to where the ground becomes a safe place for us to live. Um, so you're seeing that children in their development years are trying to stand up as quickly as possible. Parents are encouraging them to stand up as quickly as possible. So they're kind of missing the gap of this really important training time where they're on the ground, developing the strength of their back chain, their glutes, hamstrings, all the backside muscles, and their feet to be really working in a safe and good way. So there's the ground situation, and then parents are putting sneakers on their kids right away. As soon as you put a shoe 
And in my personal opinion, a sock on the foot, those bottom muscles, the muscles on the bottom of your foot, 15 of those turn off completely because those, wow. their job is to grab like this, just to do this grabbing motion like that. If, even if I do that with my hand inside wrist bone high, if I relax that in, inside wrist bone low. So the grabbing motion, gripping the ground with our actual foot, turning on those 15 muscles is gets outsourced to Nike, outsourced to New York, <laughs> like what, whatever it is. Yeah. God bless them. They look gang gang, but <laughs> you do that too much, then the foot's just going to turn off. And then, and then you add now we're using cars. Uh, we're not walking a lot. So the foot doesn't have to get strong. So it's really important for us to acknowledge that this is a phenomenon that we're seeing because of the environments that we are developing in. It's not because there's your, you're a woda and there's something wrong with you and your feet suck and you're a flat feet. It's like, yeah. dude, someone put sneakers in you before you even had a choice to say, I want sneakers on my feet or not. Before you even had a choice to say, I would like to sit in this chair for eight hours a day or not. Like that's what you found yourself doing. Shoes on your feet, sitting in a chair for eight hours, not walking around. If it, if it was up to you, Mason, especially you, dude, you'd be outside in the grass playing with your friends, probably barefoot, probably shirtless, like all day like nice. over and over and over and over and over again. And you would just be this monster of a human before you knew it. And that was just going to be it. But because we've interjected and created this different way of, of developing, and we didn't really look at how the human should develop. Now it's like, whoa, we've got inside ankle bone low. And we're go to trying to say, hey, the inside ankle bone low is bad. Inside ankle bone is low is bad. Um, and it causes a reaction from people because um, they don't really see the origin. And my last analogy before I let you go on this, if you look at killer whales in captivity, like in SeaWorld or wherever they're at, yeah, those poor beasts, their dorsal fin, like their fucking dorsal fin flops, just flops over. Like they don't need to use it because they're not like hard charging through the world hunting and like swimming all day. They're in this little tank just chilling. They're just kind of like going in circles. They're not like doing what they're supposed to be doing. So to me, the dorsal fin on the killer whale that just flops over mm. is our version of inside ankle bone low because wow. we are living in a domesticated captivity based environment. Wow. That's, that gives you something to think about, right? And <laughs> this could go so many different ways in, in that captivity piece that you speak of. And I think that, you know, it, it bleeds off into a lot of other areas of our life, but this is such an important part of it. And movement is like the basis for, for how we live and how we feel. So I'm interested too, in your setup and how you move and navigate through this, you know, world that we live in now. And I know that your living room is different and the way that, you know, you sit and move is a little bit different. So what does your living room look like? How does the house look like? What are some things that you've kind of switched up to help you retrain this part that's been taken away from us? Yeah, I think the the switch up comes from number one, knowing the good inputs that you want in your life. So find the good inputs, find the things that fill you up with joy and like make you want to move whether that's going and playing flag football on the weekend or whether that's a specific sport or whether that's golf, 
like it doesn't matter what it is something that gets you outside and moving like find that and let's start doing that first and foremost especially if you don't have a moving practice like let's find something that you like i don't care like i want you to start doing that first and foremost the second thing up that is really important is understanding the really bad and negative inputs for the body really bad and negative inputs are inside ankle bone low and front chain dominance when we're thrusting our hips forward. And that basically is the sitting position. Uh, the sitting position is basically fast food for our muscles and our joints and our connective tissue. Like there's no way of going around it. So you just take a moment to examine your life and say like, how much do I sit in a day? Okay, well, I've got a 30 minute commute. And then I go home, I sit at the dinner table, I sit for six to eight hours at work, like, holy shit, like I'm sitting all day, every day. <laughs> and then here's Coach Bam telling me that sitting is fast food for my body. And you're just constantly feeding that, feeding that, feeding that, feeding that. Um, so sitting, we'll just we'll just talk, touch on the sitting one. It's like, how can I not sit? What can I do in lieu of sitting? Uh, people get caught up with like, well, I'm not sitting. I'm in like a standing desk. Well, you know, I do this or do that. Like, it's not necessarily about that. It's about getting you out of the chair and getting you moving, move, 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 getting you on the strong side of your feet, getting your hips a little bit back. So your glutes and your hamstrings are engaged all day to where your legs are on fire when you go to bed. And that's a good feeling. Um, so the biggest one is like, for instance, I'll be sitting at a restaurant. And I don't care anymore. I don't care, care anymore. I'm sitting at a restaurant. I'm here. I get the dinner table, like, yo, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's eat. I can eat some food from here. Luckily I've have this resting squat, which is extremely important. If I did not have this resting squat, my life would be so difficult, you know, to not, but when I find myself in a chair, I'll hit a resting squat. If I don't have the, uh, the resting squat, you know, I'm just going to stand up. I'm going to be here, you know, in my back chain, something we have options, which is like the biggest like thing. You don't have to sit in a chair. You don't got to do that. You can stand up. You can put your butt back. Like you put your hand, like leg on the chair. You can do something like this. Like these are all really, really, really powerful and strong, good options. I just got a, off an airplane today. So many people go from Uber or their car sitting to sitting in one of those uh, chair seats at the terminal to sitting in the plane to go sitting in the car to go ride to whatever domain that they're going to be in to go sitting in the couch. And they go from that right into bed. And then they wake up in the morning like, I'm tired. I'm traveling all day. It's like, no, you were sitting all day. You weren't yeah. traveling all day. You were sitting all day. So how can I avoid this? Um, and that's one of the things I really enjoy about the game of Instagram is like, how can I illuminate to people that there are many different ways that you can move, especially in public? Yes, it's going to break the status quo. and It's going to make people feel really weird. But hey, it's for the better. It's really important that we do this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I know we're short on time, but what is your biggest tip to someone who says, all right, bam, I'm sold. I want to start trying these things. You know, you gave a few examples, but what are some basic um, exercises or things that people can do at home to start changing that subconscious pattern of movement the biggest one is get on the ground get on the ground fall, get on the ground until you fall in love with the ground again if you get on the ground and you're like you're like this is uncomfortable i do not enjoy this i want to get up 
that's when I like, I want to encourage you to spend 30 minutes, 15 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the afternoon, 10 minutes at night, sometime like continue to do that practice of just being on the ground and resting on the ground and moving on the ground as many ways as you can until you fall in love with the ground again. There's no kid that you see that's like on the floor that is like, I hate the ground. I wish I wasn't on the ground. Instead, you see the parent and the people that are like, get off the ground. Get, what are you doing on the ground? Get off the ground, like pulling them off the ground because the ground is home. That is our home base. And right now, chairs, couches, and our high beds take, took that away from us. So if you fall in love with the ground, if you love the ground, whenever you go to the ground, whether it's consciously or you fall or you trip or anything, like it's going to be a safe place for you. It's not going to be a danger zone. Amazing. Bam. Out of everything that we've talked about today, there's a question that I love to ask. And that is, what is your definition of success? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually the reaction I get when I ask. Success is... Um, success to me is being able to pursue what it is that my heart wants me to pursue hmm. that's powerful yeah very powerful bam where can everybody find you online you were talking about instagram your instagram's great great knowledge for everybody i know you got youtube where can everybody find you yeah instagram is going to be the hard charger hitter before i get some other things online um it's just going to be at go to bam g-o-a-t-a-b-a-m um i'm a normal dude I'm an average Joe. So hit me up. If you got a question, send me a message and I'll get back to you. Um, I love connecting with people. Yeah. And you're doing some personal training for anyone that maybe wants to dive a little deeper. What are you doing on that, on that realm? Yeah. Most, I work with a lot of people online. Uh, a lot of great things about movement is that you can train movement anywhere and you don't need a lot of equipment, really just uh, some space on the floor and somebody that knows you. Uh, so if this is something that you're interested in, I highly encourage that you reach out to someone like myself or any other go to coach and get yourself assessed, like see what's going on with your body. We will put your movement in slow motion. And what we see with your movement is going to be illuminated to you, which is going to answer a lot of questions on what you need to do to uh, be a better mover. Being a better mover means um, pain-free movement for a lifetime not having back pain, not needing new hips when you're 50 or 60, but being able to walk and pursue the things that you love for the rest of your life. Amazing. Well, Coach Bam, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. I'm excited to see what you continue to do and how you continue to affect people's lives in a positive direction. So everybody go check out Coach Bam. Let them know if you have any questions and let us know what you thought about the episode in the comment section. As always, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a great rest of the week.